0: Welcome to the sixth episode of uh, the Didomi podcast. My co-host for this episode is uh, Ari De Pater. Ari is the Brussels representative of the European Evangelical Alliance and he's joining me from Brussels while I'm currently in Geneva. And we have the pleasure to continue our interview with uh, Yamini Ravindran from Colombo, Sri Lanka. Uh, Yamini is an attorney at law and the director of advocacy at the National Christian evangelical alliance of sri lanka and she's uh, also executive director for the religious liberty commission of the asia evangelical alliance and the board member of the world evangelical alliance uh, in episode 5 uh, yamini addressed the situation of religious minorities uh, with focus on christians in uh, south asia and we discussed the trends uh, notably a rising uh, religious nationalism in the region. Now, today we are focusing more on the work of Christian advocacy in a challenging context. And uh, Yamini will, will be sharing also some best practices in the area of Christian advocacy for religious freedom and religious minorities. Uh, my first question, Yamini, to you would be, what's what's your general mindset? How do you engage Christian advocacy uh, for religious freedom, and, and why you, do you do that kind of advocacy? Why do you think it's worth investing uh, time and resources into such uh, a work and ministry?
1: Thank you, Michael. Christian advocacy, I think, um, is crucial because it is biblical. The Word of God tells us that love, love your Lord, your God, the first and, and the most, but and secondly, the most important commandment is to also love your neighbors. As much as justice and compassion and all of that is the ha- in the heart of advocacy, for me, it goes down to the deep-rooted cause of being able to love our neighbors and that it is a God-given command. And our neighbors are not only our Christian brethren and sisters around us, but our neighbors are the communities that we live in, and the people around us, and as a nation as a whole that we belong to. So if, if God has commanded us to love them, then if and when we see injustices, violations of rights, um, people being discriminated, even if they are Christians, we speak up, but as well as if there are injustices against people as individuals, people who are created in the image of God himself, and distortion of their image is a distortion of his image as well, then I think it's very important. And for me, I feel that that is the basis for Christian advocacy in the present context.
2: But that must be quite difficult as well at times, uh, Jamini, especially when your neighbors are not always treating you in a most friendly way
1: yes it is challenging and i wouldn't say uh, it's easy work Um, but we were never told that anything in this world is going to be easy for us it is difficult and we will face challenges we will face obstacles but what is most important is that we strive and we continue to do what God has called us to do and what He has commanded us to do.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right, but thank you. That's an important thing for us to remember, especially in our safe Western houses sometimes.
0: How do you, how do, you do that concretely, Yamini? Could you tell us some, some examples of how you practice that Christian witness and Christian advocacy in the region, in South Asia?
1: I feel that if we are able to really love people, Uh, as our neighbors and as God has called us to do, then we act on their behalf and we intervene and we speak up and we advocate when there are violations against other communities as well. And when we do that and when we do that um, with, with a keen sense of justice and with love, Um, I think people realize that it is coming from a sincere and a genuine place and in time you're able to build trust and the witnesses that they turn around and there have been instances where they feel like why are you doing this you know why do you Mm -hmm. continue to show good and stand by us and collectively uh, do all of these things so for me I feel like as much as christian witnessing and evangelism there are different ways that we do it and um, all of those ways are important and valuable but for me this is also something that is very important and we need to as christians start practicing to kind of live our lives and in every action that we do and uh, in the work that we do to be able to show that that we truly love those people in those ways and and when we do Um, I think they are able to understand and see a deeper love within us, which is Christ-filled, than what they see in the secular world.
2: But it's definitely a long-term effort. That doesn't happen overnight, I suppose.
1: Definitely not, Ari. It is a long-term effort. And also it's an effort that I think is most often criticized um, by, um, you know, uh, some people as well, because it is seen as an effort where, okay, because we are so used to seeing Christian Christian witnessing and evangelism in traditional ways uh, that uh, sometimes um, these very efforts are critiqued or criticized. But I, I feel that it's very important and very especially in the work that we do in advocacy, we cannot... Um, Afford to discriminate, um, but you know, act on justice and love.
0: Could you tell us more about some of the initiatives that um, uh, t- are trying to 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 concretely uh, live out those ideals? And I'm thinking, for example, of uh, minor matters.
1: Yes, uh, Michael. So, in in terms of if you take, um, I think. It's important for us to be able to, even in this work of advocacy and freedom of religion or belief that we do, for us not to be countering problems as and when as we see them, but to be able to really go down to the deep rooted causes as to why these issues are happening, why are there violations of freedom of religion or belief, why. Our communities being discriminated? And when we address those difficult questions, we are able to see how our societies are fragmented and how there are um, issues of uh, um, false beliefs that people have about communities and how youth are these days so much more susceptible to extremist elements than all the good work that is going out there. So. Why is it happening? Because a lot of the times the extremist elements and those forces seem to speak the language that are most attractive. For instance, for example, for youth in our community. So in Sri Lanka, we saw uh, a surge of uh, unethical online behavior, very particularly where youth were perpetrators and there were communal violence which led to these behaviors and where youth kind of stood at the forefront of it. And that made us think, how can we approach our community and be a good influence for our community as a whole and also speak the language that are most attractive to youth as well. And that is when we launched our campaign mm. called ww.minamatters.org. and anyone can go and mm. access the link. It is an online and offline campaign to address freedom of religion or belief, and a one-stop place for phobe in Sri Lanka. At the same time, with the desire and the motive to build religious and national coexistence in our country. So there is a trilingual blog where anyone can, and particularly youth are encouraged to go and contribute uh, their sentiments, their feelings about issues, very particularly connected to phobe. And there are international and local resources. There are quizzes to educate youth. So, for instance, you you go into the website, you want to learn about something, there are quizzes that you can access. And different, different campaigns that are ongoing, which address contemporary issues. So, for example, digital citizenship was one main mm-hmm. area that we felt Sri Lanka lacked.
2: Excuse me, Germany. can you explain digital citizenship to our to our listeners?
1: Sure, Ari. So digital citizenship is means and ways of ethical behavior online. As much as you, are, you can be an ethical citizen of your country, how can you be a good ethical citizen online? And what does it take for you to be a good, responsible ethical citizen online? And that is when we launched the digital citizenship campaign, toolkits for youth and a series of comic books for children. Uh, And it is for the community at large where we train interreligious networks of youth and community leaders as well on how to be Mm -hmm. ethical citizens online. And at the same time, we use the Minor Matters online campaign as a platform to collectively take initiatives as one community, as one Sri Lanka, because we um, want to build religious and national coexistence in the country. And I think that is the way forward uh, because these are some of the deep-rooted causes that we need to address.
2: But I guess there's a lot of work to do there because there is a sometimes deep-rooted suspicion against some minorities. So is that something that you see on social media as well? Uh, things like fake news, hate speech and how... How do you respond to that in in the context of minor matters and digital
1: citizenship? Yes, there is quite a bit of fake news and hate speech in in South Asia, I would say, leveled against minorities in particular. And uh, not only as minor matters, but I think as ethical citizens online, uh, what we really need to do is be able to identify fake news and to be able to counter it. And at the same time, to be able to counter hate speech as well, whenever it is leveled against particular communities. And I think each individual needs to take up the responsibility to do that. And that is the only way uh, that we can counter it and to be able to combat these issues in our societies.
0: There's this uh, initiative also, uh, the Virtual Museum, uh, that we've heard about and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, this has even been awarded with, uh, with a prize. Uh, so this seemed to be a very creative idea as well that was developed uh, in, in the context of, uh, of Sri Lanka. Maybe you can uh, tell us more about it as well.
1: Thank you, Michael. The virtual museum came in the context of a call for an international intercultural innovative award which is given on an annual basis by the United Nations um, of Alliance of Civilizations and the International BMW together. And they call for creative ideas that bring about change in, in communities. So on this instance, um, the uh, UNDP uh, in Sri Lanka reached out to the National Alliance because of the credibility that we have garnered with them. And in fact, they encouraged us to submit an idea And out of 1,200 applications worldwide, we came fourth place in 2019, December. Uh, And the idea was to have a virtual museum integrated with an e-learning platform that addresses issues of freedom of religion or belief and that builds religious coexistence, national coexistence. So the virtual museum would look at the landscape of freedom of religion or belief uh, in Sri Lanka and we'll um, focus on positives and negatives and um, even um, instances when communities came together and how they worked, so that we would be able to visually show these to youth in our country, very particularly.
2: So how do you do that, the virtual museum? How does that look like? Do I go to a website or how can I enter that virtual museum and get these lessons?
1: The virtual museum is currently being developed, Ari, and we are launching it in August this year. And it will be online and it will be an extension of the Minor Matters page as well. So if you hmm. go into minormatters.org, you will be able to access the virtual museum. It will be an extension of the Minor Matters and the e-learning platform, which will be integrated to the virtual museum, and once again, an extension of minormatters.org would have different courses and different modules on um, important topics and human rights education, uh, which is a gap that we saw, uh, which was missing uh, in Sri Lanka. And hopefully, we will be able to extend these modules and these e-learning courses to South Asia and Asia as well.
2: Wow. I appreciate that vision.
1: Thank you, Ari.
0: How how is the collaboration uh, with the government in all those projects? Is there an openness and support uh, from the government, uh, and are they even influenced or you know willing to to take the the issues that you are raising uh, through those initiatives into account? Mm-hmm.
1: The approach and the support by the state, I would say. Um, In in, in initiatives like this where there is a greater good to our community and when we really need to be able to partner with the state in order for us to get to the masses in our country, it's very important that we do um, collaborate in those instances with uh, state institutions as well. So, for example, we have been able to reach out to the Ministry of Education, to the National Child Protection Authority um, and to... to also the Ministry of Youth Affairs as well. And uh, talks are in progress where we are looking at how we can collaborate with them, uh, get them on board to endorse our resources and to also work along with them uh, in these instances because we see that as a way forward in having a greater impact in our Mm -hmm. community and our society as a whole. So I would say that has been fruitful and positive, and uh, it's still work in progress, but we are really hoping um, for the best. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I think that's an important way to, um, with this virtual museum and and minor matters, I think that's an important way to build trust with your government because that's one of the first things that is usually lacking as a minority. It's not that easy to establish such a relationship. So, um, I wish you all the best on that yes. one.
1: Thank you, Ari and Michael.
2: Yeah, I was. I was wondering because you are working with, um, well, on this project to influence society, to work with with local communities, to um, to, to stimulate ethical digital citizenship. Um, but is there a room for international groups as well to support you? Are you uh, are you working with with other organizations, um, for example, on the e-learning platform? there are some resources already available. Is that helpful for you to to get that international connection? Uh,
1: in terms of, um, I think, um, the FOB learning platform, I would say, where we have been able to uh, get some of their resources and, tra- and we are in the process of translating it into local languages uh, as well. So hmm. um, we, and in, in terms of working with international partners, yes, of course, to create awareness on the initiative, and to be able to come alongside with us and to give us expertise and um, also to help us create more awareness on these issues globally as well, I think, is very important and um, would be very supportive as well.
2: Yeah, in addition to um, what you are already doing so effectively in your country, is, um, is it helpful to have international bodies uh, or other countries to engage the government in South Asia to to raise the profile for human rights and freedom of religion or belief? And and if so, what are these sensitivities or what are the things that we should do?
1: I think it's really a case-to-case um, situation, Ari, and it really depends uh, a lot on uh, South Asia as a region if we look at a lot of South Asian countries and within within this particular region I don't think are very much open to uh, openly naming and shaming um, and uh, they would perceive um, international partners as being um, overstepping their place when they would directly try to uh, intervene they would perceive it as in, in their own local affairs as such So um, I think it's really a combination of being able to work in close collaboration with the local institutes and alliances in, in, in those respective countries. And at the same time, to be really able to assess the situation according to a particular climate that would be ongoing and to really in in those instances be able to be pragmatic and to foresee with what kind of intervention really needs to be taken place. And maybe there would be instances where the international partner would have to uh, speak forth uh, directly on some issues, but uh, also instances where maybe it's the local um, body that needs to kind of take it up strongly and they just need to be, May be supported enough to do that. So I I would say there is no one track um, way forward for that, but it's actually uh, complexed and being able to assess the situation and being able to be wise in those instances and seeing what really would be effective in in each and every different scenario.
2: Yeah, thank you. I, I think as you are working with your with your national government to build partnership and to build trust. Um, I guess that's true for the international community as well, to um, to work in partnership and to build trust that we are in the, indeed willing to to help and and support where needed, rather than to just criticize. And um, that's that's good for us to um, to keep in mind when we are working on these issues internationally. So thank you. Absolutely. Uh, talking about partnership, mm-hmm. um, how can how can we as as Christians internationally, um, mm-hmm. how can we partner with you? How can we support you?
1: Partner with us to, um, I think, to support us in in being able to raise issues and raise awareness on what is going on in in the South mm-hmm. Asian region, and most importantly, I would say to pray for us and to pray for the local alliances in each country, uh, that each alliance which is doing very important work, so for protection, for strength, for God's Mm -hmm. wisdom and His courage for each and every alliance that is involved in this work, uh, for them to be able to be a Christian witness and at the same time uh, to be able to speak up and. do justice and love uh, as God has called us to do
2: yeah thank you. That's a very strong message for for us and for all our listeners so yeah, we will definitely um pray for you and for your all your partners in the region for all um for all the people we We thank you for your time and for sharing your um your encouraging examples. Um, I hope that will stimulate other people in in working with with partners and and to see how we can uh, really help um, our thinking about human rights and and freedom of religion or belief more more in particular. So it was great to have this conversation with you. Uh, thank you, uh, Yamini for your contribution. Thank you Michael and thank you all listeners for joining us for this uh, for this episode. Um you can um you can follow us on Twitter. You can also um follow the podcast. If you have any comments uh, to improve the fo- podcast even further or uh, top suggestions for topics, uh, please let us know um on uh, on domi Uh underscore CO uh, on Twitter or on the Didomi website. Thank you for now. And I hope to meet you all in the
1: next episode.